Hello and welcome to Come Follow Me. This week we're reading Philippians and Colossians. Paul wrote the letter to these two groups while he was in prison. And I find it amazing that though he was in such harsh circumstances, he seemed to be very positive and upbeat. In fact, he wanted them to be of one heart and one mind. In Philippians 2, 2 and 3, he says, Fulfill me my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. I believe Paul was pleading for the contention to cease that typically happened among these people after he left. A few verses later, starting in verse 7, he begins to turn their hearts to Christ. He said, But made himself, speaking of Christ, of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. And this part right here, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now this phrase fascinates me, because we hear it often concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I believe we've heard it so much that perhaps we just brush by it. Not even considering what it means that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. So as I pondered this phrase, questioning in my mind, why would someone who doesn't know Jesus, who never knew Jesus, bow the knee and confess that he is the Christ when they first meet him? Could it be because of his glory, his power, his majesty that I'm sure we all will experience when we meet him for the first time? Or could it be something else? I had an impression that I'd like to share. An analogy, really. I'd like you to imagine that your health is not that great. In fact, when you go to the doctor, he informs you that you have kidney failure. And that unless you get a new kidney, you're probably not going to live much longer. If you're like me, you'd probably have feelings of fear, anxiety, anxiousness, what would you do if you can't find a kidney? And with such a short time frame, how will you find a kidney in time before the disease takes your life? Then one day, you receive a call. Someone you don't know is going to donate his kidney to you. Interesting, why a stranger would do such a thing. They run all the tests and find out it's a perfect match. 
the surgery is quickly scheduled, and before you know it, they're prepping you for the procedure. As you close your eyes and fall asleep, you say a silent prayer, hoping that this would be a success. A few moments later, you begin to open your eyes to discover that the surgery was done. It went better than you could have ever hoped, completely healed from the disease that would take your life. You have a new, healthy, living kidney. You have a new hope on life, excited to be able to continue living. And as you're laying there, considering all the things that you might do now with your life because you can continue to live because the generosity of another person, a man enters the room, the man that donated his kidney so you could live. What type of feelings would you have towards this man? What would you say? What would you do? Would you give him a hug and never let go? Would you kiss his face? Would you announce over and over to him how grateful you are for his sacrifice that you might live? I believe those who do not know Jesus will realize in that moment what he has done for them. I believe they will understand fully the sacrifice he made for them individually and that when they bow the knee and confess that he is the Christ, the Lord and the Redeemer, it won't be because of fear. It won't be because everyone else is doing it. It will be because they understand at that moment that though they did not know him, they understand what he was willing to do and what he did for them. I believe they will also realize that if they had this knowledge on this earth, that their lives would have been very different. I believe the gratitude that they will feel with the opportunity then to accept him as their Lord and Savior would be a great blessing to them in their lives. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul gives us another great doctrine that I hope you will consider. In verses 2 and 3 also, he says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches and a full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgments of the mysteries of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and and knowledge. Now I love this idea of the mysteries of God, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And over the years I've come to understand that these mysteries, these treasures that he's speaking about, most of the time are hidden in plain sight. I'd like to give you an example today that I hope would cause you to ponder, but also to give you hope and excitement as you read the scriptures, that you might see those things that you previously had not seen. In the most read chapter of the entire Book of Mormon, we find a parallel, a story that I was astounded when I first saw. In 1 Nephi chapter 1, Lehi begins his story, 
And as I give you a few highlights, I want you to think about who this actually sounds like. Starting in verse 4, it says that my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days, and in the same year there came many prophets, and they prophesied unto the people that they must repent, or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. Therefore it came to pass that my father Lehi, he went forth, and he prayed unto the Lord with all his heart on behalf of his people. And as he prayed unto the Lord, there came a pillar of fire, and dwelt upon a rock before him, and he saw and heard much. And thus being overcome with the Spirit, he was carried away in a vision, even that he saw the heavens open, and he thought he saw God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numerous concourses of angels, in an attitude of singing and praising their God. And it came to pass that he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven, and he beheld that his luster was above that of the sun at noonday. And he also saw twelve following him, whose brightness did exceed the stars and the firmaments. And they came down and went upon the face of the earth. And the first came and stood before him and gave unto him a book and bade him that he should read. And it came to pass that as he read, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them. And he truly testified of their wickedness and of their abominations. And he testified of the things he saw and heard and the things which he read in the book manifested plainly of the coming of the Messiah, and also the redemption of the world. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him. And even as the prophets of old, whom they had cast out and stoned and slain, and they also sought his life that they might take it away. But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith, to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. Now I'm sure you are very familiar with this story. But let me give you some highlights. And consider in your mind who this might be. First, Lehi, in this case. Here's many prophets prophesying unto the people. His heart is pricked. Because his heart is pricked, he goes out and he prays. And as he is praying, he sees God sitting upon his throne. He sees one descending out of the midst of heaven, who we know as Christ. One of Jesus' disciples gives him a book that he should read. And as he read, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. So he goes out and testifies to the people of their wickedness and abominations. He testifies of the things he saw and heard and the things he read in the book. And the people are angry with him, and they sought to take away his life. But Lehi, being one of the chosen, and because of his faith, was delivered by the power of God. Now when you condense that story down to a few short highlights, who does it sound like? The very prophet who was instructed to translate this record finds his story matches that of Lehi's almost exactly. Those things we read about which happened to Lehi are almost identical to those things which happened to Joseph Smith. The parallels we read in the scriptures are astounding. 
most of the time, you will see a parallel with the prophets and the life of Jesus Christ. An easy one to study would be that of Abraham and the promises given to Abraham, the sacrifice he made, the parallels of the lamb and the son. As you look for these parallels, you will see them everywhere in the scriptures. And I would encourage you to look for them. I would encourage you to ponder on them and ask the Father to show you those things that would help improve your life. Now, may I conclude with a few verses from Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Paul says to his people, And I would say to you also, Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.